again to your sermon. And I think you really want to peek your ears because what he's going, Mr. Barnabas Grayson is going to talk on, called the Father of the Faithful. And that is the one that we have come to know of Abraham and, and uh, subsequently of the one who became Jesus Christ and the real Father. So, Mr. Grayson, sermon. thought that was all too, right? Well, as we know, it is Father's Day weekend, and uh, I have a riddle for you, if I can remember it, don't get it all messed up, which would be for your amusement anyway. But uh, what did the buffalo say to his boy when he walked out the door? My son. I'm still a kid at heart sometimes. I like riddles sometimes. Sometimes. But we know that Father's Day... It's a time when sons and daughters do something special for uh, their dads, like uh, telling dad to go out and be sure to barbecue for Father's Day, and we'll sit and wait on it. But anyway, it's a special day for, uh, for uh, children to honor their fathers. Uh, for some, it may be just a day to remember times that were. Uh, I was 14 years old when uh, my father died. And I do remember uh, many things about him. And uh, the thing that I look forward to, of course, is uh, you know, just talking to him in, in the uh, future, in the millennium, uh, the 100 years, perhaps, when we used to go fishing quite a bit, catch perch in a pond that was often a pasture. And uh, one of the last things I said to him as he was passing away in the hospital, uh, I, I said, uh, uh, Dad, let's go fishing. So to him, it's just like a, a twinkling of an eye when he awakes in that time that is to come, and, and uh, perhaps that pond will still be here, and we will go uh, fishing again and, and remember some of those things. So there's a lot of good things that we may remember about our parents, our fathers and our mothers. We know that the commandment says to honor your father and your mother. But what does it mean to honor uh, someone? To honor means to hold in high regard and respect. And parents know this because, you know, kids are not supposed to question their parents' decisions or or cross-examine them when when they don't know why or what or that they uh, can't do something. And what is a parent's usual response? Because I say so. You've heard it before like I have. Huh? <laughs> because I said so. Sometimes that works. They may stomp their feet and go to their room, close the door pretty loudly behind them. Uh, but even in that, you know, many children still go astray 
and learned the hard way that, uh, that experience is really not the best teacher. Like my mother used to say, uh, someday you'll understand and wish you had listened. In Malachi chapter 1 and in verse 6, the prophet said, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord host unto you. O priests, he's talking to, that despise my name. And you say, well, wherein have we despised your name? And we know from verse 7 that they were offering uh, things that were polluted. Polluted food upon his altar. And you ask, how have we polluted and profaned you? It's by thinking that the table of the Lord is contemptible and may be despised. So by their minds and by their conduct and by uh, the things that they were doing, their respect and honor toward God was put into a bad, bad light that had an effect on the people that they served. As Malachi wrote, he said, where is my honor? Where's my respect? I think today that we can realize that it is a failure of modern society to remember the ancient of days in their lives because he is the living God, he is the eternal God, and he knows about our times today and about the people that are living in this age. Isaiah 29, 13, he said, Therefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. The precepts being perhaps things like faulty doctrines, worldly ideas, philosophy rather than things that are based upon the word of God, which is truth. The Living Bible phrases it this way. Since these people say they are mine, but they do not obey me, and since their worship amounts to mere words learned by rote, therefore I will take awesome vengeance on these hypocrites and make their wisest counselors as fools. The taking in words, according to the Living Bible, the word road is there, and we know what road is. You know, it's memorizing certain phrases or things. In this case, religious sounding words, you know, like sometimes like the Lord Jesus is Lord without really understanding the rest of what that meaning is. Jesus is Lord. Or by grace are you saved. What are they uh, meaning? Good on the surface, but you know there's more to the meaning of truth than sometimes what uh, we learn by rote. And it's good in a way that we learn things by rote, but we need to be able to know why we use them. So... All that is wrong in the world is that there is no fear of God. No fear of God in the land. No respect, no honor 
And what we see is a world of, of killing, of, of robbery and assaults and hatred and lies and, and the hypocrisy and people dying in horrible ways. Now we know we don't really like to hear people talk about the bad of this country that we live in and the nation. And we like to say that we are a Christian nation. But you know that reputation has fallen into question because of the way people act opposite to the Father's teaching as the world looks on. In Romans chapter 2, verse 23, he is saying, you are so proud of knowing God's laws, but you dishonor him by breaking them. No wonder the scripture, scriptures say that the world speaks evil of God because of you. Where is my honor? As Malachi quoted. We know, we heard the phrase before, that there is a cause for every effect. Things happen for a reason. Um, sometimes it uh, comes from ideas that were born a long time ago or things that are done that people have accepted. And it causes, you know, a response, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But throughout the scriptures that we read, you know, like in Isaiah, we see where there, uh, throughout the Bible, throughout the scripture, there is this word of woe that is coming. The word woe implies that there is impending doom that a person needs to consider and consider the ways in which they, they are living. Even Jeremiah, he said, woe to the pastors who scatter my sheep. Now we know pastors in the Bible we see as the head of a church and that the sheep are the people who follow. But in a broader sense, we can see this applied to kings or, or governors who have charge over people and who are just not holding due honor toward God, toward his truth, or toward his commandments. But what kind of, what kind of father is the, is the one that we worship, the one we acknowledge as our father in heaven? Psalm 103, chapter, uh, verse 13 Here we can see that our Father is a compassionate and understanding and merciful and forgiving Father. Verse 13, he said, Like as a father pities his children, so the, so the Lord pities them that fear him. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things in that statement because when a person is corrected, and in their fear, they, they feel like they are, when they, they know they've done wrong and they know they deserve punishment. But on the other hand, they also know that there is pity and compassion on the part of the Father. And in verse 14, because he knows our frame and he remembers that we are but dust, that we are temporary, and that we only have so long to make changes in our life. 
We also know that the Father is also a patient God. You remember the story uh, of the prodigal uh, son that the father hoped would someday return. And we see that the father, he was patient as he waited, hoping his, his boy would uh, return and, and in a repentant attitude and how joyful he was when he saw the figure of his son coming down the road. So in the same way, the Lord is not willing that any should perish or get lost in this world that is headed toward destruction because of the sins and because of the idolatry that exists out there in the world. And it's easy, really, sometimes for people, even Christians, even the children of Christians, to get drawn in by what's out there in the world. We know that the world is basically out of touch with, with God. So, as in the first message, we've heard that the history of God's people has shown times when they have fallen deeply into sin and idolatry and not repented or changed their ways. Even Jeremiah saw this too, as well as Isaiah. And so, the frustration of the father who had to let his children learn the lessons of disobedience through experience, he said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah eleven fourteen, he said, don't pray for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. So that cause and effect is going to come upon them when they could have heeded, when they could have learned, when they could have changed uh, their lives, but yet they still continue. So the people had returned to idolatry. And instead of repentance and, and heeding Jeremiah's warning, they went to serve false uh, gods in a deliberate decision to do so. So they, that was the way they were going to go, and that's the way they went. And that applied to, you know, to both. Israel to both the northern and the southern kingdom. So it seems as though that many today have this attitude of defying the ways of God as though he won't know or that he won't see. Sometimes even in our life we think we, might, we can get by with something even though we realize ultimately that God is watching and that we're going to do something that is out of, uh, out of being a Christian, but we do it anyway, and not afraid of the consequences. Isaiah chapter 29, uh, verse 15, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. And their works are in the dark, and they say, well, who sees us, and, and who knows us? Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say, say of him that made it, he made me not. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding. So woe to those who try to hide their plans from God. Because it's futile. Who try to keep him in the dark concerning what they do. 
God can't see us. They say to themselves, he doesn't know what, uh, what we're doing. Verse 16 says, how stupid can they be? In other words, how stupid can they be? Isn't he the potter greater than you? The jars he makes? Will you say to him, he didn't make us? Does a machine call its inventor dumb? But why is the father so patient? Acts, uh, see, Second Peter 3, verse 9. Because sometimes we get by, and because sometimes the promises of God do not come as readily or as quickly as we think, verse 9 it says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is patient, he's long-suffering, he endures toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so we have a picture of things that are going to be, hard to imagine things, like this that is going to take place. And we will live to see that day. Whether we die in this age or it's in an age to come. We will see this day. And we sure want to be on, on the right side. In the, in the Bible. And uh, Reggie mentioned this earlier. In the Bible is the story of Abraham. And the name means father of a multitude. He was first called Abram, which uh, means high father. So his life, we see, is an example of trust and of faith in God, the father of all. And Abraham, Abraham is seen as a type of the heavenly father who sent his servant to obtain a bride likened unto the church, the people called out of this world for marriage to uh, to the son and his son Isaac may be seen as a type of Christ and with Rebecca a type of the church as as I have read in, in some of the commentaries how many uh, think along those lines so Abraham or Abram he also offered up his son as a sacrifice and we can see as a type of Christ a father who is giving up his only son and because of Abraham's obedience and faith in, in the Lord and the eternal, he is called the father of the faithful who are now in the same family of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying. In you shall all nations be blessed. And that blessing will be total. When the kingdom of heaven comes. Because of Abraham's faith that he had in God. That God is real. 
and that in him he could put his trust, that all things will work to good to them that love God. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what says the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Romans chapter 4. Let's see, I think I've read that one. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. What says the scripture? I've read that. So for Abraham to faithfully carry out the act of sacrificing his only son, Isaac, on the altar, God saw the willing mindset of Abraham to go through with what God had told him to do. In Abraham's mind, the deed was done because even as he, uh, I've heard someone say, uh, some preachers say that uh, he took the knife and, and uh, rose it up high and just went down and, uh, to kill his son. But in doing so, the angel stopped him. But in Abraham's mind, he carried out the deed. Or, you know, as, as a sacrifice uh, animals, you know, you, you slit the throat and the blood runs out. Somehow, that was stopped right there. But in Abraham's mind, he had fulfilled what God wanted him to do. And God saw the faith of Abraham, the trust that Abraham had in him. So Abraham is a type of true believers who are truly faithful to God the Father. They are believers who, like Abraham, who was called out of idolatry to leave behind the land that he was familiar with and was brought out to take a, another path, a path of separation to obey and trust in, in the Father. Now, the word father is a title, and the name means a male parent, a guardian, a protector, and one who originates or, or founds something, like a nation or a family grown big. 1 John 3, in looking at uh, how faithful this father is to us, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and every man that has this hope, everyone that sits here in this congregation has this hope. Everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. John six forty four, it says, but no man can come unto me unless the Father draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
Isaiah chapter 1, we, we read about what Isaiah saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of four kings, Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. They were kings of Judah. And he tells them the Lord has spoken, saying that the children he nourished and brought have rebelled against me. And he compared it with how the ox knows its owner and his master's crib where the grain comes from so they can eat and have you know, the blessing that God was uh, giving them. But Israel does not know. My people do not think about this, he's saying. So as we look, as I look anyway, upon the world and the way people are, there's not much acknowledgement and thanking of God for the things that they have, for thanking the Father for his blessing. We read about, uh, you know, this present heat wave that we are under, that it is, you know, from, even from the, uh, uh, the West Coast to the Midwest, sort of making its way across the country. And when you think about all of those, uh, those lakes that are there in California and how they are going dry, it makes you wonder how long it's going to be and why it's going to be. So Isaiah said, he said, a sinful nation. That's why these things are happening. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Verse 5, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. Because... You know, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint and fed with uh, modern day ideas. Verse 6, from head to toe, there is no soundness but wounds and bruises and putrefying stores that they have not been closed. They have been stitched up, neither bound up, neither mollified with any ointment. And all the wrongs have not been treated as we, as we can uh, see. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate, overthrown by uh, strangers, strangers who are foreign enemies. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Paraphrasing from the uh, Living Bible, your country lies in ruin. Perhaps we don't see it as that. Sometimes it takes the back roads and, and, and the outskirts of these cities to see those things. Your cities are burned while you watch. Foreigners are destroying and plundering everything they see. And you stand there helpless and abandoned like a watchman, shanty in the field when harvest time is over or when the crop is, is stripped and, and robbed. So this was happening before them in those days. 
Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and like unto Gomorrah. Only righteous Job escaped along with his children at that time. So hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. In Isaiah chapter 3, won't, uh, I have verses 16 through 28 listed, but I won't read all of those. In verse 9, it speaks, the show of their countenance does witness against them. It's kind of like uh, they are what we see. And they declare their sin as Sodom. They don't hide it. Woe unto their soul, their spirit, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Speak about, you know, honesty, but this honesty is going to really turn against them because they are not according to the word of God. The people were just, they were open about their sins. And in that self-confession, there was and there is defiance toward God. Who will bring judgment upon them? So as a, as a judge in his courtroom, he's, he, he's waiting for the judgment to begin. Thankfully, we know that the Lord is, is merciful, forgiving, is patient, and he will correct. But here Isaiah is passing on a warning, even to our time today, to modern cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, to modern Babylon. Now we see when we see this word Sodom it's used to describe Israel the places where they lived and, and the people themselves and we see the name is tied to lust, it's tied to evil tied to uh, wickedness of every sort and he says to them hear the word of the Lord you rulers of Sodom we could insert kings we could insert rulers we could insert representatives, officials in charge of, of this, that, and the other. Give ear to the law of God. Look at yourselves and change your ways, he's saying. And Isaiah calls unto them to look at their, their own sacrifices, the ways that they worship the Lord. And he says, verse 11, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams, the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. And that's the way Israel, you know, worship uh, the Lord. They did those things. And he said to them, when you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Those empty uh, oblations. Incense. It's an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meeting. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. When you make many prayers, I will not hear you. Your hands are full of blood. This was, this was how it was in, in ancient Israel and how the... Uh, Prophets saw what was happening and passed on warning. 
He just wants nothing more to do with them. And he said, verse 16, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before me. Eyes that cease to do evil. To look toward evil. To do things, look at things that are evil. Because, you know, when you see, you sometimes want, you want, you covet. And you try to do those things that are not pleasing in the sight of God. Verse 17, you know, I said I wasn't going to read all this, but here I am. But it says, learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. And the Lord promises, saying, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It's the promise of a faithful father to those that turn to him in faith. Verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And in verse 21, probably uh, see this word that was mentioned in the sermon sermon at earlier how the faithful city became a harlot they were once moral and upright and, and now they were going the wrong way it was once full of judgment making the you know the right decisions doing the right thing righteousness lodged in it but now murderers and along with it you know the hatred that, that proceeds murders and animosity and injustice and, and the things that lead to, uh, to murder. Verse 22, your silver is become dross. It's no longer pure, but it's alloyed with other metals. Like your wine is mixed with water, everything diluted. And these are all figurative of, of people who have been tainted with ungodly ways and attitudes, tainted with hypocrisy, tainted with uh, dishonesty, and, uh, you know, the works of the flesh. We know uh, from Galatians 5 what those are. Therefore the Lord, verse 24, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will ease me of my adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies. And I will turn my hand upon you and purely purge away your dross, the impurities, and take away all your tin. I will melt you in a smelting pot and, and skim off your slag, he's saying. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the, uh, the faithful city. So this is what, what's ahead. Uh, the, the city's turning to, to doing the right thing, to making right decisions, to doing as the Lord wills and ob obedient to his truth. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. So we see that the Lord is good. The Lord is merciful, and the Lord promises 
salvation to those who are of a repentant attitude and that there is a time coming when justice will prevail and that is righteous judgment. So Isaiah 28.1, we see that the glory of Israel had, had departed, their land had been assaulted and sat on and, and just left uh, in ruins. Today the eternal speaks to us, that is his church, his faithful people, his children, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord, the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 13, To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you this day for your good. You know, there is none righteous. There is none perfect. We all have gone astray in some way or another. But behold, verse 14, Behold the heaven, and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, your God. The earth also, with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in your fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is to this day. Verse 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. And be no more stiff necked. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. That's what you know, life is pretty much about. Doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. Blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your seed may live. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have not re uh, received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of of God. From Romans 8, we know that the carnal, carnal mind is enmity, enmity against God. Having a mind that is set on the fleshly material world is, is to have hostility against God. For we'll tend to forget Him doing our own thing. It's a, it's a sensual and physical thing driven sometimes, uh, driven often by hate or, or hostility, greed or covetousness and so on. So then they that are in the flesh, verse 8, cannot please God. When in the flesh, what does that mean? You go to Galatians chapter 5 and you see uh, uh, when you're living in the flesh, you see these words that are there in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. But if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness.
We live in perilous times, but it's always been that way, hasn't it? And don't we live in a, what the scripture says, is a crooked and perverse generation, a nation, as Paul said. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is, to practice it. To do it, to grow towards spiritual maturity, one that's not made according uh, to our own doctrine, uh, but on but based on the truth of Jesus' word. For it is God which works in you. This word uh, "work" is is a is a verb. Work is a verb that means energizes. So, for it is God which energizes you, both to will. And to do of his good pleasure. If we are led by the spirit. To be motivated to do things that are pleasing to God. So how do we uh, work out our own salvation? Verse 14. To do all things without murmurings and disputings. That you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So as children of God we are required to be lights in the world. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7. It says to ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. There are a lot of things in our life that we wish could come to pass. A lot of things in our personal life that would help to make our life a little bit easier. And here we are saying, ask, and it shall be given you. But what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them? That ask him. Now, though his, through his spirit, he guides us and he comforts us. He even corrects us uh, along the way. And even though we may suffer pain and loss, he still, he still works with us. And we can go to him for, for help, for strength, for comfort, and for understanding. Earlier, we read back in Romans chapter 8, for as many as were led... And that's, you know, present tense, this word led. It, it means being led by the Spirit. They are the sons of God. Ephesians chapter 4, skipping over some of the scriptures. It says in verse 22 that we are to put off concerning the former conversations, the former conduct, the former ways of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man. Created in righteousness and true holiness. Putting away lying. And be ye angry but sin not. And neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, steal no more. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is edifying. 
and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Who are the faithful? Romans 6, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead unto sin. That's the faithful. Alive unto God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. John 15.5 Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And because, you know, whatever, whatever Christ does, he does, and uh, uh, his father does the same. So, in a way, this tells us a lot about the deity, <coughs> the deity of Christ as God's son and the everlasting father of the faithful. Who are the faithful? He that keeps the commandments and dwells in him and he in them. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us. Hereby, in 1 John 4, verse 2. Hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is God. You are of God, it says in verse 4, little children. You've overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we see that the fatherhood of God is he's the father of all men. He's the father of Israel. The father of all nations and of Christians too. Where is mine honor, asks the father. John 1, close with this uh, verse. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which, are, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So let us not forget to honor our Father and what he's done for us, not just on a, a certain day, but to honor him at all times as we journey through this life of ours.